0: Love Talk Radio. Hey, my brothers and sisters, fellow entrepreneurs around the globe, it is 0, 0600 hours Eastern or Romeo time for you nautical types, 1100 hours Greenwich or Zulu time. This is Rudder Radio, your guide to thrive in any economy. And I'm William Eastman, Managing Partner for North America, uh, for Applied Knowledge Labs in North America. We are a business research company with offices in Calgary, Alberta, Las Vegas, Nevada. Kansas City, Missouri, and our recently opened Atlantic Regional Office in Richmond, Virginia, which is originating today's show. And we are changing the formula of success for companies from zero to 50 million in revenue. I'm your host now for the next 30 minutes, and today's show is on deploying your resources, or how do you get the biggest bang for your buck. Uh, But before we start, we have some administrative to take care of. So first of all, If you want to join us in the chat room uh, where I will attempt to multitask, which is talk and type at the same time, for your questions or comments, you can get in there by clicking the chat now uh, button on our show page, which is uh, blogtalkradio.com slash the rudder, T-H-E hyphen R-U-T-T-E-R. You can join us live and on the air at 347-215-7471. That is, dial in and we'll see if I can triple task, 347-215-7471. 7, 7, you can twit me on Twitter, and no, that wasn't a mistake. I'm not a bird, so it's not a tweet, uh, W-Eastman, W-E-A-S-T-M-A-N, and uh, I will be monitoring that screen as well. And, of course, there's always the ubiquitous blog, uh, which has a link on our show page, or you can Google it uh, by typing in the rudder, R-U-T-T-E-R, blog, uh, and uh, it, should po- it should pop up above the fold. Okay, where are we in the series? Well, as we do every morning and Open to Show, we simply give you kind of a context of where we've been and where we're headed. Uh, we've done, we're in the middle of our third series of shows. Um, it's not a matter of me waking up in the morning early and then deciding what I want to talk about. Rather, what we're doing is we're sharing all of our information, the black box, about how, to, how do companies grow Uh, fast and sustainably, and I don't mean sustainable in necessarily green terms, though it's the same kind of analogy is that you can't outstrip your resources. How do you do that? And it's based upon not some theories that we have. It's based upon what the best of the best do. Our first series had to do with the stages of growth, and what that really means is that, believe it or not, there are predictable stages that companies go through. Um, it, It is not guaranteed that once you get into a stage, you'll get out of it. Uh, there are things you have to address, how you run the firm, which is part of the emphasis today. But if you're interested in that, there's, uh, we have six shows on the stages of growth. You can go to the archive section of our show page, and you can download those. Uh, and I will be talking to those directly here shortly, so I will give you the uh, show numbers. Then when we finished that, we said, now, let's take a look at the companies that have made it, who have been very successful at growing quickly and not killing themselves. And what were the, what were the characteristics of their strategy and uh, because I've, I'm a firm believer that it's not so much that if you have a long written out strategy or a detailed plan, it's somewhat helpful. But the idea is that getting this right, even if it's on, even if it 's in the owner 's head, as long as they get it right and they have the ability to explain it, that's what you need in the business. and what we identified that there were six characteristics or six elements. Uh, that made these companies very, very distinctive, and we did a second show on those. And so you can also go to the archive section, and it starts off with the show Doing Business in a New Way. Now, the third series, and the one we're in the middle of, and by the way, this is show number 12 of 43, is discussing actually the best practices. What were the best practices of those firms? What is the best practice best practice? is a series of behaviors that are bundled together. So, for example, today we're going to talk about the four attributes or the four sets of behaviors that make companies very effective in how they deploy their resources. And so, and it's, by the way, it's the second to last show uh, for a week. Uh, I'm going to be out in the United States uh, next week unable to do the show, and so we are going to take a hiatus, but it's all on the calendar. So let's start here, the uh, the best practices of What would I call resource deployment? And I attempted to find these best practices in a few words possible, but uh, resource deployment is nothing more than given the restrictions you have on your available resources, given where you are today in terms of money, time, people, and focus. uh, Your focus is the focus of the company. It is a process that maximizes the results from your current budget. In other words, if this is all you've got, how do, you get the, how do you get the most from it? How do you get the greatest ROI? Now, to start this off, I think the place for me to start is to go back to one of the gurus of management thought. Uh, this guy actually uh, had more bright ideas than the than almost the entire population of consultants in the world. And uh, the guy's name is Peter Drucker. For, the, for those of you not familiar with Drucker, I heartily recommend you peruse some of his works. I know most uh, small business entrepreneurs are not, um, are not want to do a lot of reading because, as uh, simply as most of the books out there are not really worth your time, they don't tell you much that's relative to what you do. But Peter Drucker wrote a book called The Effective Executive in 1957. It's been reprinted a bunch of times, and clearly it's, in my mind, it's one of the finest management books ever written because what, it, what he did is he said, what are the best practices of the best executives I've worked for? As a matter of fact, if, if, you're, uh, if you're familiar with Stephen Covey, any of Stephen Covey's work over the last 25, 30 years, what is interesting is Stephen Covey has made millions of dollars and a career off of one chapter, one chapter in The Effective Executive called No Thy Time. And so what Drucker said was this, and it has stuck with me all these years. I found it in all the companies that I had worked with when I was working in large corporations that were effective. I find it in small businesses that are very good at what they do, and that's this. It's the principle of the one thing. All right? So as the business owner, once you've done your homework... And you've identified what is a really good short list of priorities, the things that you must do as as a company to either, one, uh, remove obstacles, or two, accelerate uh, your opportunities. In other words, if you're going to grow this thing, what's the very short list of things you need to do? His principle is this. Most companies, what they'll they'll say is that, well, these are the five we've got to do. Then they look at their budget and go, well, we don't have the people, the money, the time, etc., to fully fund these. So, the decision then is to say, okay, well, what's the minimum we can spend on each one, and see how we can spread the budget out. And what they'll what they'll do is they'll stick to the four, five, six priorities that they set out and underfund all of them. Now, I think you can, I think given the way I've just explained it, I think you can predict what's going to happen next. His principle is. If number one is truly number one, then fund it at 100%. And if that means that you can only do one this next period, whether we're talking a year, a quarter, a month, then do one. If you can, if you can do one, two and do two. you two. got money left over after doing two, do three. In other words, his issue is, and if you look at the performance of the company, it's common sense, is that which company do you think will work better? or have better success, or a greater return on investment? The company that funds, say, three um, critical priorities on 100% or five at 80? And you know the answer simply by the way I ask that. And so the principle that I'm going to apply here is focusing on the one thing and then fully engaging in that one thing, whether that's energy, time, people, or money. All right, so now let's talk about the attributes. What are the behaviors we saw in the companies? Well, the first one and we've talked about, especially in the growth stages, we've, we've kind of hit on these issues, but I want to come back to it right now, and that is the right structure is nothing more than how do I assemble the company in, in a way that is focused on execution? Um, which one, which organizational structure gives me the greatest, greatest return, um, gives me the greatest uh, ability to focus people on the things that matter in the firm? And I believe that that is there, there is probably a best structure based upon the type of company you're in. And we discussed this a little bit in business models. But I think for, for the purposes of, of my listeners and the people that typically are downloading the MP3s, it's all a function of what stage of growth is the company in. So let's take a look at growth stage number one. Uh, That is, before you start the company, this is when you're trying to take your dream and turn it into some plan of action as well as get something ready to sell and a model for selling. What is the best way? What's the right structure? And that's kind of, I want you to view it as a hub and spoke. It's It's a direct supervision model. The owner is at the hub here right on the axle. All the employees are spokes and they come out from that and basically it's a command and control. You tell them what to do, you monitor what they do. And in the early stages, most startups are not so big that that's not, that that's impossible. And so typically startups have three, four, five people in it. And at that point, the, the organization is small enough and simple enough that the owner can, if they manage to time effectively, do that. So uh, growth stage number one. By the way, if you want to go to the archives and download this MP3, if you don't already have it in your library, that is show five seven seven three zero two. Well, stage two is the cash is king stage or the go live stage or the super selling stage. In other words, you've opened the doors, you've announced yourself on the Internet, you're paying business to customers, and the whole emphasis of the firm is sell, 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 sell because without cash, you have no future. Uh, this is also, this stage, also the right structure is a structure that is directly supervision. Um, Again, the owner is telling people what to do, monitoring what they're doing. And in this particular case, the owner is probably more actively engaged in sales than anything else that has their most attention because if you don't have sales, you don't have money, you don't have a business. And so that is what the the, the right structure would be for a company in that stage two. And that is show number five seven seven three zero three. Now, it's stage three. What's stage three? We call it the next act. And that is kind of, okay, you've got through that initial spurt. And what signifies your movement from stage two to stage three is this, is that you have sufficient and predictable cash flow. You have enough money coming in to pay the bills, and you have a little bit left over to reinvest back into the company. And this cash flow is stable enough that you can predict when you get paid, so you can put together a budget and comfortably spend uh, because if it's not predictable, what happens what happens to us when we get into that mode is that you withhold expenditures because you say to yourself, "I'm not sure I can replace that money, so more than likely, I'm not going to spend it in the first place." And so, at this stage, the right structure is a structure that focuses on process. In other words what the, what is the owner doing here instead of telling people what to do, it is now assembling the people and saying, "Okay, you've been doing these jobs for a while." What I want you to do is I want you to come up with a set of best practices. What is the best way, the most effective, efficient way that we can do this job? And the goal here is that we want to do it better, fewer defects. Number two, we want to do it faster. And number three, we want to do it at the lowest cost possible. And so what you get is the people who are involved in those jobs. And you may be involved in some of these teams around So what's What's the process? How should this be done? But what you're going to write here is that you're basically going to map a process and write a small procedure saying, okay, this is the way that we do it.
1: And so the way
0: that you manage the firm now is not telling people what to do, but monitoring how well the process is working. And that's the right structure for a stage three company. In a stage four company, that's when you become big fast. Or another way of looking at it is that's when you see your hockey stick growth in the firm. And that's when it really begins to ramp up, and your greatest growth spurt happens right here. Um, This is a results-based organization. So your your management has moved from process, and I don't think I gave you the show number, the process show number, uh, stage three, excuse me, show number is 577309. This one, stage four, show number 577319, is now you manage by results. Now, if, if you ask me what was the best structure in an organization and not knowing anything about the firm, what you sell, who you sell to, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I would say that a results-based firm might be the place that you want to be because now what you're doing is you're not even monitoring process because what you now know is the processes are in place and the processes are just indicators of results. Once you get them to the point where the defect levels are down, the time is down, the cost is down, then you can say to yourself, okay, now I can really manage the firm. And the way I can look at the structure is we can look at this on results. Um, and so that would be the right structure there. Uh, and then stage five, which is show five seven seven three two zero is is kind of the show of, is kind of the stage where the company becomes stable. And this is usually where the greatest challenge becomes because the company has taken profits out and it's looking at what it's learned from this growth spurt and it's probably writing more procedures. And usually companies, if they start becoming truly over-bureaucratic, a little bureaucracy is not bad, a lot of bureaucracy is, this is the stage that that they do it in. And so here's where you want to kind of look out for Let's not get so focused internally that we write so many policies and procedures that that crowds out what we're trying to accomplish. And then stage six, which is the reinvention stage. If you decided not to sell the company and you made a decision that you're not going to try to hold fast where you are, which means you're going to decline because you can't hold fast Uh, in business. You're either going up or down. That's show five seven seven and three two two, and that is stage six or the reinvention stage, and then the right management, the right control mechanism here is team you know, or project based where you put you, you create projects to fix products and services, build new products and services, and what you do is you you basically manage the teams now. The other thing that we talked about, and I think it was yesterday's show, and that is that the issue was, how do you structure the firm? Well, let me conclude this with one of our previous shows, and that is you structure the firm based on process. Is that most companies, what they do is they do structure too early, not too late. And I think that what you do is you say to yourself, what are the core processes in this company, the processes that absolutely we must have under control and focus on that. And don't worry about who's in what boxes, but say to yourself, how should we how should we put a process in place that we can be the lowest cost producer in the marketplace regardless of what our pricing strategy is? Let's do this the best possible way in the shortest amount of time at the lowest cost. How do we arrange the organization to do that? And what I'll tell you is it'll become fairly obvious about what is the right structure when you do that. What companies typically do is that they build functional areas first. and we have an accounting department. They have a technology department, et cetera, et cetera. And then what you find is that delivery to the customer or the production of the product has to go across functional boundaries, and that's where you get yourself in trouble. And I do believe that was yesterday's show. And, nope, that was, let me go back a little bit. That was... Um, That was Tuesday's show. That is show six two eight eight nine eight around infrastructure alignment. So if you haven't downloaded that one, check that out. So that's the issue of the right structure. And what these companies did is that they understood is that structure is situational. There isn't a right one that anybody can adopt, and it works all the time. But you say, for where we're at right now, uh, what is right for us? And I know that if if you're escaping from a large corporation, one of the things that you uh, probably laughed at is how many times a company rewards uh, does a reorganization. What I can tell you is that companies that reorganize on a frequent basis are basically saying to you, we are constantly working on the structure to make sure we get it right. I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing, though I've been there uh, many times myself where you're going, does anybody have a clue? All right, that's number one. Kind of a long one around the first one, but kind of, it's critical. The second one is the executive focus on execution. The, the second attribute of this best practice, or the second set of behaviors, is that the executives may be delegative in their approach, especially if we're talking about a company where it's predominantly managed by results. Still, the executives need to have keep their hand in the game the owner still needs to be focused on execution doesn't mean that you're telling people how to do things, but it also means that your attention is there, and that is elimination of the structural or procedural uh, issues that create confusion in the firm, and so what happens here a lot of times is as you write policies and procedures about how things should be done, and they're almost always done from an internal perspective, is that sometimes they get in the way of purpose, and I'm sure if you were... Again, if you worked in a large corporation, I'm sure you've been there where something has happened and you need to buy something fairly quickly because it's a customer demand, or you have a breakdown and then you work over you you talk to your accounting department, and they give you, you know, is well, you got to fill out four of these and you got to go through this procedure and uh, we should be able to order it by the end of the month. Well, no, 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 we're, we're talking about it has to be bought today and it has to get here tomorrow. That's the type of stuff that you got. Well. It really pays if you have executives who are focused on execution because you may need, as the owner, to step in and say, I don't care what the policy says, buy the damn thing for him and get it here tomorrow. More than likely, it's going to come up to your desk anyway if somebody says, look, we've got this kind of this crazy request here that we've got to handle. Um, so the more that the executives are focused on execution, then the more that two things happen. One is it's a bulwark. It is a firewall against too much bureaucracy because if you see that it's becoming difficult for people to get things done, you can say to yourself, that doesn't make any sense. What the hell is going on? Or number two is when those obstacles arise, typically the people who are doing the work don't have the horsepower or the juice in the firm to get it done. And so this is where you go. This is where you step in and say, I'm uh, forget that policy for the next week. It doesn't make any sense anymore. Do this. And so all those organizations, the the executives are greatly focused in the execution of what happens in the firm, because many times they're the only ones who can remove the barriers or obstacles. The third one, the third attribute, or the third um, behavior, is what's called sufficient resources, and this is the Drucker principle. I didn't put this in here because I'm a, I, I am a devotee of Peter Drucker. I found this in companies, um, all the companies that we researched that were fast growth. And then as I worked over the last, what is this, uh, the last three and a half years, as we've been working um, hand in hand with our clients, is that what, we all fo- what I find in all of them is that the good ones know how to maximize the resources they've got. Uh, it, It could be that, yeah, you'd like to have more people, you'd like to have more money, you'd like to have more time, but the reality is you don't. So how do I take advantage of what I've got, and how do I make the resources that I have sufficient? Think of it that way. How do I take the resources I have and make them sufficient? And that is the principle of the one thing, is that fully fund Fully fund the most important issues and work your way down the list until you run out of money, time, people, etc. Because more than likely, if you do three things exceedingly well, um, you will have a higher return on investment and and, uh, greater success than if you try to do five or six things half-assed. And so, sufficient resources. Uh, Let me see here. And then the last one. Oh, no, let me me do this. Let me take a break here. I was looking at my uh, pocket watch rather than looking at the screen. And so let me hit you up with this, and I'm just typing a welcome message uh, to my guests to see if they have any questions or they want to call in, uh, is this. Applied Knowledge Labs, I said we're a business research company. That's true. I mean, that's a very accurate uh, description of us, but it doesn't say much about who we are and what we do. And I know it turns off a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs. The, the bottom line is that we're an information refinery. Uh, like a, like an oil company takes crude out of the ground. They can't sell you crude. It won't burn in your car. It won't burn in your house. It won't burn in your plane or truck. Um, somebody has to take crude and turn it into fuel. That's what we are. We're an information refinery. We take not only research done by other people, of what of what are the best of the best companies out there doing specifically related to the issues of how small businesses become market dominators how the small businesses grow and especially in the economy that uh, uh, that we're in uh, today let me see here I, I guess I can't type and talk at the same time. Um, the issue then becomes is that how do we turn it into usable products for you? And, and so that's what we do. We have an, we have our products are in two areas: assessment and surveys. And what we do is we we help companies diagnose where they are in their growth curve. What are the issues facing the owner and executive of the firm? And then how do you make those things go away? How do you take advantage of the uh, resources you have and become successful as a company? Those are the things that uh, that we do. And then we have a, a a package called do-it-yourself, which is just a series of job aids to say, look, if you, don't want, if you want to do it yourself, you don't want to hire a trainer, you don't want to hire a consultant, but what you want to do is you want to fix your own problems. we got some stuff there. So if you're interested, a couple things you can do. One is you can go to our website, which is AppliedKnowledgeLabs.com. Uh, that's one. Two is you can drop me an email at Eastman at AKLabs.org. That's A-K-L-A-B-S dot O-R-G or you can call me on our Skype hotline. And so, one of the things that we are, is we're about doing things for free. I love Skype, i going to replace cell and all of phone systems. So give me a call at 804-471-1660, 804-471-1660. Okay, so let me talk about the last one. And the last behavior, the last attribute, is bureaucracy is not an obstacle, okay? In other words, the structure of the policies, procedures are aligned to support performance, not perform in spite of them. Now, there's nothing wrong with some bureaucracy. There is nothing wrong with writing some policy because, in fact, there are legal and regulatory requirements on the firm that you've got to meet. I mean, if you, if you say, if the IRS comes in and audits you and you say to the IRS, well, I hate that policy crap. I, I, you know, uh, I hate bureaucracy. I don't want to have any of that they're not going to be overly impressed, and you're probably going to have a fairly big fine to pay. Or if there's a safety violation, Um, if you're in manufacturing, for example, and there's a safety violation, you don't have a safety policy, uh, you may have some problems. And if you get yourself in trouble with the State Employment Commission because you don't have any policies around how you deal with people, you may find yourself in, in the soup there. And so there's nothing wrong with some policies, but here is the key. Here is the key for you, and here is the key for the people in your company and that is is that where you get yourself into trouble is when there's an absence of vision, mission, and values. When we talked much earlier about this, the issue of where are we taking the company, where are we going to be in the future, what do we provide to whom, and the values are the operating principles. Here's the boundaries around performance um, in the company, and uh, if that's absent, uh, what do you do? Well, what happens in companies that all that's absent to provide people people some sense of what we're doing and where we're headed, then companies write lots of policies and procedures, and then it becomes there's this thick manual that sits on the shelf and gathers dust. And so what you've got to say to yourself is some bureaucracy is necessary. I mean, I need to have policies on quality. I need to have policies around customer service. But I never can let that become so important that it gets in the way. And so the the saying that we use that we use with our clients, and I used over the years that I was an executive in a firm, is never let policy get in the way of purpose. In other words, if the policy supports the purpose, then that bureaucracy is probably okay. If the policy uh, somehow hinders getting the job done, then it is basically bad and it needs to go away. And so. That's how you get at that. All right, so my summary is in order to maximize your resources, uh, you need to focus on a few things. One is you have to have executive involvement to show importance, that what people do is important, especially around execution, and you're there to eliminate results. I mean, you're there to eliminate barriers to success or results. Number three is that you basically... Fully fund the few things that really matter to the firm, and you work your way down the list until you run out of time, money, people, etc. And so, if you do that, then what you can do is, given whatever you have, you can achieve the most from that. Now, tomorrow's show, what we're going to be doing tomorrow, and it's going to be the Friday show, and it's going to be the last show for a week. Uh, then we're gonna, I'm going to be taking a week down. Is, is the best practice around intellectual leadership, and what that means is that. How does the company establish itself in the marketplace as, as the thought leader? This is about thought leadership more than anything else. And I think what you want to have happen is to say among your peers when people talk about um, uh, their industry and they talk about the company and you want them to go, well, you know, those guys got their act together. They're on the leading edge of what's going on. Or more importantly, I think for the owner is that the owner is recognized as being a leader in this particular in a particular area or you have experts in your firm but what you want to establish in the marketplace for these individuals is that the company the ownership the executive and key players are recognized as thought leaders in the marketplace it's great for marketing it's great for branding but it also is an incredibly valuable intelligence source for either planning strategy or for trying to execute and get things done. So with that, I appreciate all of you joining me today or anybody who's downloading this MP3. So have a great business day, wealth, and prosperity to all.